Hello, you're listening to audio from First Church Butler. If you'd like to check out more resources, please visit butlerfumc.com and connect with us on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram at First Church Butler. So when I was associate pastor at Community Church in Harrison City, Eric Park was one of the associate pastors at Christ Church in Bethel Park. For those of you that don't know, Eric was my immediate predecessor here at First Church. When Eric and Tara wanted to take a weekend off, Eric every once in a while would call me and ask if I would preach for him for the Sunday evening service at Christ Church that he had responsibility for. I was glad to do that. The worship band at Christ Church for their contemporary service was a band called 10.10. It was a really good worship band, really, really good. The the 10.10 reference was to John chapter 10, verse 10. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and have it abundant. That's the reference. They released their debut album in 1997, simply titled 10.10. It became, still is, one of my favorite worship albums. has a variety of songs on it, and as you might imagine, a variety of different styles. It has a song on it called Battle Cry. It's full of inspiration energy. There's a song on that CD called Bring Me Home. It's a a powerful story of redemption. There's a song on there called Lead Me that had I been here with you last week, we would have talked about Psalm 25. And that song, Lead Me, is a prayer of confession that is a setting of some verses from Psalm 25. Then there's a song on that CD that's simply called Taste Like Chicken. It's, it's a happy song. In fact, the guy that wrote it actually introduces the song by stepping up to the microphone and says, this is a happy song, a happy song. And then they launch the song. I want us to think for a few minutes this morning about the way that music matches the moods of our lives. Think about the way that no matter what the genre of music that you might prefer is, music and the the moods of our lives intersect. Let's think about that. If there are times in our lives when we want the music of our lives to match our moods and we want it to be celebratory, right? We want it to be loud and we want it to be upbeat. And we want it to be full of energy. Like we, we want to hear 1812 Overture on July the 4th with the cannons, right? And then there are times when music needs to be intense because our life is intense. Dun, 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 dun. Right? We, we need intense music in our lives. And then there are times when we need the music of our lives to be calm 
and soothing and speak to our, our hearts and our minds because our hearts and our minds are troubled. And we need the music to be like a bridge over troubled waters. I know I'm dating myself. And then there are times that we need music that inspire us because we're going through something different, difficult in our lives and we need courage. We need courage to face the hard moment in our lives. We need the courage to face something hard and difficult in our life. And in my world, that would be this music. It may be something different in your world, but in my world, it would be this music. Music is all of those things at the same time, and it is each of those things when we need it to be. My hope is that as we've journeyed through this series, Can We Talk?, we've discovered that prayer is actually the same kind of thing. There are times in our lives when prayer is exuberant. It is joyful. It is celebratory. Times when prayer is talking to God and our life is gushing with joy. And we just can't seem to find sometimes the right words or enough words to tell God how good our life is and how much we appreciate him for the goodness that's in our life. Then there are times when our prayer is intense because our life is frustrating. We are frustrated with someone or we are frustrated with something or we are frustrated with God. And we talk to God that way. And God speaks to us in return and says, I've got this. I'm working. You may not be able to see it. But there's so much more going on here than what you can see. And I'm still at work. And then there are times in our life when our life is so full of worry and anxiety. And we pour our heart out to God. And God returns peace and comfort like a bridge over troubled water. And had I been here last week, I would have shared with you that there are times when we have got to talk to God transparently and honestly and vulnerably. And we've got to say to God, God, my life is a mess. And I might be the reason for that. My life's a mess and I might be at fault for that. And when we do that, we will find every time that God responds with mercy-filled instruction. That God, every time we are transparent with Him, says in response, I love you. Here's what we need to do next. Every time. See, prayer is all of those things at one time. And prayer is each of those things as we need prayer to be. And remember that prayer is always a safe space. You can be whoever you happen to be, whenever you happen to be that, and find that prayer is safe space. Because you can talk to the one who loves you more than anyone ever will about anything that's going on in your life or however you happen to be feeling. Now, as we wrap this series up, I want to talk about one more thing about prayer. 
I want to say one more thing about prayer. And I want to go here. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores, he refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You ever heard that before? Sisters and brothers, the word of God for the people of God. So I wonder, did you catch all of the times in that arguably most beloved of songs? Did you catch all of the times in there that David actually points to the Lord? How many times in there does he say either he or you? Think about the number of times in that psalm that David actually circled the fact that the Lord was with See, it's because David, it's because the shepherd is with him that the Lord provides for him. The Lord is my shepherd. Because the Lord is with him, he lacks nothing. It's because the Lord is with him that he finds rest in green pastures and water by quiet streams. It's because the Lord is with him that he has his soul refreshed. That inner person, when it's beaten down, when life has caused him to doubt himself, caused to doubt who he is, when he's worn out, it's because the Lord is with him that the Lord reminds him that he is loved and he is not alone. It's because the Lord is with him that the Lord puts him back on the right path. Has the Lord ever done that for you? Are you out there? Lord ever done that for you? Put you back on the right path? The path that bears his name? The Lord does that because he's with you. It's because the Lord is with him that when life gets really dark for David, as dark as it can get, and he is scared to death, that he doesn't have to be afraid. Because the Lord is with him. That staff of a shepherd, the staff that's used to beat off the wolves when when the wolves come for the sheep, that staff is a comfort to him. Because he doesn't need to be afraid. The staff is a comfort. Because the Lord is with him, he doesn't have to be afraid of enemies. Because instead of circling the wagons... 
The shepherd sets a table, prepares a feast. And in the original Hebrew language of this psalm, the enemies look on astonished that the shepherd actually prepares a feast when it's time for battle. This shepherd anoints David, pours oil on his head. The oil that the shepherd usually pours on the top of the head of the sheep to keep the bugs away. It's the oil of refreshment. It's the oil of healing. That's poured over top of David's head. And it's poured over top of him with abundance. So much so that his life overflows with it. Love, mercy, and grace follow him. It's always right behind him. In the actual Hebrew, the word says it pursues him. Love, mercy, grace pursue him all the days of his life. And when his life is over... This Lord that is with him all the days of his life gives him a room in his house forever. Wow. Witness. All of that happens because the Lord is with him. Isn't it powerful that Jesus calls himself the good shepherd? It's like Jesus says, hey, you remember that psalm, that Psalm 23, when David talks about the good shepherd? Well, you know what? He's talking about me. I'm all of that. I am the good shepherd, he says in John. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He's who is a hired hand and not a shepherd does not own the sheep. He sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. Are you out there? The good shepherd, watch this, because he is with the sheep, puts himself between danger and And the sheep. Puts himself between danger and the sheep. Wow. Because he is with them. Can I ask you a question? How significant is it to have somebody with you at moments in your life? This is the interactive part. How how significant is it? I mean, that's really that's really the power. Of this life of prayer. See the answer to the question. Can we talk. From the perspective of God. Is yes. We can talk. Because there is never a moment. When I am not with you. We can talk. Because I am with you. You see if we can learn to cultivate. This withness in our lives. This 24-7 awareness of God's presence through the power of the Holy Spirit. What kind of a different life would you and I live? Remember what Jesus said? Remember, I am with you when I get back from vacation. When I beat... The solitaire game. 
when I, after I read the paper, when I get my taxes done. Is that what he said? I am with you always. Have you ever stopped to ponder that word? Always. There is never not a sacred moment when you and I are with God. If you and I are following Jesus Christ, there is never not a sacred moment in your life. The psalmist says, where can I go from your presence? Where can I flee? From your spirit. There is never not a, a sacred moment in your life. Secular moments do not exist in your life. Every moment, every breath is a sacred breath. Because God is with you every single moment. Pastor, that's really deep. It is. It's profound. And it'll change your life if you get it through your head. Every minute, every breath is a sacred moment. I thought about that. My car, <clears throat> the car that I just bought, had to have some work done on it as part of the deal. And it was in Knox this week. So I had to go pick it up on Friday. Right before I left, I was writing this. And I stopped to think about the week that I've had. So I started to type, thinking about every moment as a sacred moment. And I thought, you know the ride that I am just about ready to take with Betsy in the car? That's going to be a sacred moment. I don't always think about being with my wife as a sacred moment. Husbands, wives, you ever think about that? Time with your spouse is a sacred moment. When my, <clears throat> thank you, I appreciate that. When my grandson, that'll help, when my grandson, crawled up the stairs on Wednesday morning, peeked around the corner of my den to see if I was in there and saw that I was, put his head down like a bull, charged across the room, <laughs> leapt into my arm. That was a sacred moment. When I saw my son this week for the first time in about six weeks, and I walked over to him and wrapped him in a bear hug and gave him a kiss on the cheek at 35 years old. That was a sacred moment. My mother had a bad fall this week. She's in a nursing home now. The walks back and forth from her apartment to the nursing home, the multiple walks on Tuesday, those were sacred moments. Had a couple of dialogues with members of our church about disaffiliation this week. Those were sacred moments. The pain in my back this week. Those were sacred moments. 
The quiet time in the car driving home on Friday was a sacred moment. Are you getting this? Every moment is a sacred moment because God and I are together. I'm with God and God is with me. So this is the last thing I want to tell you about prayer. Prayer is the connection to the one who is always with us. (laughs) Are you out there? Prayer is the connection to the one who is always with us. So it's Palm Sunday. I'm going to try to read this story. This is from Mark's Gospel. If you're keeping up with the banding together journal process, we're just starting Mark's Gospel. This is Mark chapter 11. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and just as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks, why are you doing this? Say, the Lord needs it, and we'll send it back here shortly. They went and found a colt outside in the street, tied at a doorway. As they untied it, some people standing there asked, What are you doing untying that colt? They answered as Jesus had told them, and the people let them go. When they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks over it, he sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road while others spread branches they had cut in the fields. Those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest heaven. The Palm Sunday story. When I read that again this week, a part of that stood out that I had not caught on to before. It was that phrase, those who went ahead of him and those that followed behind. So Jesus was surrounded by people on Palm Sunday. Right? Every picture you ever see of Jesus on Palm Sunday, he was surrounded by people. People pressing in on him. But I wonder, I wonder if we could think about it differently. I wonder if we might think about the fact that on Palm Sunday, Jesus was with them. That Jesus chose to be in the midst of them on Palm Sunday. That's a little different, isn't it? That Jesus chose to be among the people who weren't really sure what this day was all about. That he was with the people that wanted to know who he was. People that weren't really happy about what he was doing. Even people that were there plotting to take his life. He was with them. Can I ask you, what does it mean this morning 
for Jesus Christ to be with you. Right where you are. What does it mean that in your life there is no such thing as a secular moment? What does it mean that every breath for you is sacred because Jesus Christ is with you? What does it mean that because of prayer, your ability to talk to the one that is with you is literally on the tip of your tongue. Maybe, maybe it means this. Being a follower of Christ doesn't make me immune to brokenness, pain, or hardship. It just means I have an anchor to hold me in the storm. Maybe that's what it means. Maybe that's what withness means. Being a follower of Christ doesn't make me immune to brokenness, pain, or hardship. It just means I have an anchor to hold me in the storm. Withness. Hallelujah.